You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. And here we are on National Signing Day, the early signing period of, uh, of National Signing Day. And to help me break it all down is Corey Bender from Gators Territory. And, uh, Corey, we, we threw this thing. Uh, we, we're going we're to record a little bit later, but we, we went ahead and could fit it in a little bit earlier. So uh, we'll get all the Gator fans out there uh, caught up for uh, this early portion of National, National Signing Day. No, absolutely, Dave. Yeah, and thanks for having me on. It was, uh, I think it, it kind of all played out how we expected. Um, there were some guys on the board that, you know, we were keeping close eye, keeping a close eye on. And, um, but I think overall, when you kind of went into signing day and how we all kind of viewed it, I think it all played out how we envisioned. And uh, yeah, here we are. We're just waiting on one more signature from Dakota Mitchell. Yep. He's the only one. Um, he obviously committed already. We're just waiting for Florida to make it official. And that should be it for the day, hopefully. Yeah, I think so. I think so, too. And kind of, kind of going to your point there, I guess maybe a little drama on Tuesday. <laughs> you know, Tyreek yeah. Saff, uh, Jeremiah Williams, uh, Alabama pushing hard for Jason Marshall. You know, signing yep. day itself was pretty uneventful for the Gators. But, hey, look, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, exactly. Especially when you have those most schools. Like I know that where I was told Nick Saban reached out to Jason Marshall a few times himself, tried to get him to flip to Alabama. And, you know, Marshall was locked in with Florida. He stayed put. And Tyreek Sapp all along, um, he was playing not to sign early. And then it was, I think, I texted him Monday morning, Monday afternoon, just to verify his plans. Um, him and I have a good relationship. And he ended up texting me back at 1.30 in the morning. He's like, no, I am signing. I'm like, oh, you are. I'm like, you are signing. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, I'm like, do you know what time you're signing? He didn't respond to that message. So I woke up that morning on Tuesday. I'm like, hey, I'm going to go off with the kids telling me he's going to sign. And I knew Alabama was kind of, they had some other guys on the board a little bit higher. Other guys, they were waiting for their class to play out. And if he did, wasn't going to sign, they're going to try to make a move um, maybe towards going towards February. But yeah, like you said, um, sometimes it's good not to have that drama. And obviously it played out in Florida's favor, um, you know, especially Tyreek Sapp. And then Jeremiah Williams, which, man, it had a lot of people um, – basically kind of holding their breath because, you know, mm-hmm. obviously he almost committed to Auburn a few times early in the process. Um, from what we were always told, his mother always kind of favored Auburn. I mean, who doesn't, who wants their kid to really go away from home? So I guess that's a whole, that's a mom thing. You know, you want your kid close to home, but um, we all kind of thought with Auburn, that was going to be interesting, but you know, it only took about a day later where he said, you know what, my heart's at Florida. I'm going to sign it. I'm just going to finalize this. So um, yeah, you said it perfectly. Sometimes no drama is a good thing. And obviously that was the case with Florida this time. Absolutely, absolutely. There, so we'll get into a whole lot of the details of all this, uh, all the signees for today, and you know where they fit, how they can fit on this team. 
uh, Corey and mm-hmm. I'll, uh, you know, I'll let Corey uh, break it all down, bring his knowledge here. Uh, but before we do, remember, you can find Gators Breakdown at news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes there. The Alabama SEC Championship Preview was recorded earlier today as well. Go check it out after you listen to our signing day coverage here with Corey. Uh, a lot of, a lot of good stuff there. So uh, please share, rate, and review the show. If you're on YouTube, we're live on YouTube right now. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. It really, really helps us out here on Gators Breakdown. Or if you just want the audio version, check us out on your favorite podcast platform and follow Gators Breakdown on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. So, Corey, let's start, man. Of course, I mean, everybody starts with quarterbacks. And Florida, two quarterbacks in this class, Carlos Del Rio, Jalen Kitna. How are these quarterbacks the same? How are they different? And even though Kitna may be the lower ranked of the two, I saw your tweet earlier, you're pretty high on him. Yeah, it is funny. I've been, I've been on the kitten and bandwagon from day one, and, I, and I've kind of been on rivals about too about him getting a four star. And um, I absolutely, I think he's the most overlooked kid in the whole class. To be honest, I think he throws a beautiful deep ball. He obviously has a pedigree with his father playing the NFL. A lot of intangibles. I mean, his good pocket awareness. He looks like he sprouted another inch and a half or so too. Like compared to when Florida got him in the fold um, several months ago, it looks like he's even taller than he was then. Um, but he kind of like he's for me, he checks off a lot of boxes. Um, yeah, good pocket awareness, good deep ball, good kid overall. His good leadership qualities. I know a lot of people as a junior, his touchdown to interception ratio um, wasn't the best, uh, but I kind of look into it, man. You watch his film, there's just a lot of other stuff that kind of grasps my attention. Just like you said, just um, his technique, you know, this throwing motion. There's just a lot of stuff that I could say, hey, once Mullen and Brian Johnson, if he is there, you know, in a couple of years, because I know his socks on the ride. He's one kid I could see really benefit from that coaching, and he could really sure up those mistakes. And this is also a kid who's transferred high schools multiple times with his dad, um, taking different jobs and such. And um, so it's one of those things you got to kind of count all that and put it all together and kind of see. And then obviously his senior year, he's been putting up really, really impressive numbers. Um, and like you said, I loved his junior film and then you look at his senior film i like it even more so i think he's a guy eventually um you have to give him some time you know to kind of just you know work himself into it and kind of get used to obviously sec football but i think he could be a starter eventually at four i mean like you said i've been echoing what i think about his skill set but um yeah i think they had two proven quarterbacks and then you have del rio who's been sold which is good to see you have a lot of kids that they commit, they still take business. And I know obviously the pandemic's a little bit different, but even if it wasn't for the dead period, I, I don't think Del Rio would have took visits. I think he's been sold um, on Florida from day one. And he camped at Florida two and a half years ago. I worked with Brian Johnson. They had a great connection from day one. And, um, you know, they kept, I mean, he told me, he was like, the Florida coaches made it so, so easy for him to stay committed. Um, those relationships are strong. I think with Del Rio, he's a little bit more mobile. Um, he can, he's a little bit better outside the pocket when it comes to throwing. He's still a pro style quarterback in my opinion, but mm-hmm. he's a little bit better as far as throwing on the run. Um, obviously a, a more notable name. He went to the lead 11 this past year and uh, had a decent performance, especially day two and day three. And, um, and, and, and did well, I, ended well last year at Friday night lights. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And he's another kid that started getting bigger. I remember when I first met him when he first got that verbal offer and he, he I think he was around maybe six foot and a half, six one. And he's another kid that sprouted and had a good growth spurt. And um, both, both of those kids are just very good kids too, man. They're going to be great in the locker room. Both are hard workers. And obviously they bring two different types of skill sets to that quarterback room, but um, they have good options. And then the other thing too, what I like about Kidna is a lot of kids could look at that situation, but like, oh man, this guy's a rivals two fifty guy, Lee Levin. Should I go there? And mm-hmm. he didn't hesitate. He didn't bat a lash. He was just like, Hey, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna compete. 
I'm going to show what I can do and I'm not worried about competition. It was the same thing Del Rio said. Uh, Mullen hit him up and said, hey, we're going to take a second quarterback. I, we just want to kind of run it by you through your thoughts. And both kids were very receptive to it. And um, I think that's going to – that's that's a recipe for a good quarterback room. And I think those two are here starting to have a good relationship. So it's going to be fun to watch those guys um, battle out in the coming years. I think, obviously, they both have some good upside to them. And um, it's going to be fun. I think Ford did a good job. And um, two different quarterbacks, and I think they got two. And like you said, they got them both pretty early in the fold, too. So there was no quarterback drama on the recruiting cycle late, you know, late coming into signing day. Yeah, and with that, you know, that kind of it kind of reminds you of Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask coming in together. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. One's one's under kind of right. underranked, and the other one's notable. And, and it's funny. Then Kitten is from Texas too, right? Believe exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of funny because someone tagged me today. They're like, um, "Another Trask." I'm like, "Man, you can't put that on that kid." I mean, you can't say another Trask. But as far as um, you know, as far as being underranked, right. just the situation. Yeah, it's pretty similar. And uh, Corey, one more thing about quarterbacks, and yeah. I've I've seen this talked about a bit, and uh, and it's been in my head a little bit too. You're mixing up mixing it up with different styles of quarterbacks, and what I mean, yeah, these two guys are different quarterbacks, but they're more known for they for their arm than they are their legs, and mm-hmm. you know, can kind of compare that to a Emory Jones or Anthony Richardson who are strictly in that dual threat mode, and then yep. you got your Curry Brown. From Valdosta, who's going to looks really beat to t- really high on Florida's board for 2022 quarterback, you can mm-hmm. really see Dan Mullen mixing it up with different style of quarterbacks. And now I've seen the thought out there of he probably can't wait to get back to a quarterback that can run a little bit, or, or maybe more known for the Tebow or Dak Prescott style. But with these two guys in this class, it's more of the you know playing with the arm more than the legs. No, exactly, man. It's kind of funny. It just shows with Mullen as far as his, his versatility as a coach and what he can adapt to with the offense. And when they have Felipe Franks, too, and then you bring in Kyle Trask, the way he's been able to, and then obviously Emory Jones, who obviously has, who can really run very well. I think it's just impressive with Mullen where um, he has, I, I agree, like he kind of, I, I would think in his mind, he likes like those quarterbacks who can get on the run and can kind of do a bunch of different things, get outside the pocket. But it just really shows to me um, what kind of coach they really are, uh, Johnson and Mullen, as far as their ability to structure their offense to what they have on the roster and also just being comfortable with that. It's not like they're they're coming in, they're taking over from the old staff and, hey, these are the guys we have to roll with. He's recruiting different types of quarterbacks and based off what they can do. Um, and also, too, in Kitna, um, and Del Rio, um, obviously they're more pass first quarterbacks, but they're also not, they're not lumber, lumber right. feet. You know, they're not, they're, they're not guys that are going to kind of trip over their feet in the pocket. Um, there, there's plenty of highlights too with Kidna. Um, you know, obviously he's a pass first guy. He loves to step in the pocket, deliver the deep ball, really likes to lead receivers. But at the same time, there's plenty of highlights of him getting on the run and if he has to extend the play, but yeah, it's a good point. Mullen has def- different criteria. I feel like the way he's evaluating these quarterbacks. And I kind of feel like with these two, um, it's kind of similar because I know Del Rio, he is a pass for his quarterback, but there are plenty of times, especially in the camp saying too, he can definitely get moving when he has to. So it's going to be interesting um, how they kind of structure their offense. But obviously it's more credit to Mullen as far as playing to their strengths and just shows how good of a coach overall he really is. All right, nothing at the running back position as far as pure recruits go, but we do have to go back a little bit. <laughs> Florida has a lot mm-hmm. of numbers there, but of course, the big headline a couple months ago, you get Demarcus Bowman in the transfer portal, you know, who can still be considered a freshman next season because of this free mm-hmm. year of eligibility, uh, you know, that everybody is getting in college football this year. Take us back a little bit and, you know, what Florida's getting in Demarcus Bowman and uh, yeah. even after his transfer from Clemson. 
Yeah, I mean, you're getting a super productive kid who's who's accustomed to playing top-notch competition at Lakeland. And um, he's not the tallest running back, the biggest kid, man, but the kid was a touchdown machine. Very crafty in between the tackles. And also, once he gets his pads north and south, he's a game-breaker. And, um, and obviously, Florida was – I mean, they were going all in for him when he was in high school. And, um, and obviously, he goes to Clemson. I think he would have had a good career if he would have stayed with, with the Tigers. Um, but obviously with him, man, arguably, he was easily a, a consensus five-star everywhere. Um, really can do it all. He has reliable hands on the backfield, too. Um, very shifty. He actually has – I think the one thing he doesn't get a lot of credit for is his lower body as far as how his ability to break tackles. He has a strong lower body. Um, but also his ability – he has quick feet, the ability to kind of change direction – get inside the hole and then break away and get his pads north and south. He's really, I would say the only thing coming out of high school, he wasn't the biggest running back, but as far mm-hmm. as pure running back uh, ability, he kind of checks off all those boxes. Um, and it explains why he was a five-star prospect and he was Florida's top uh, running back target out of high school as well. So they don't get him out of high school. Uh, but I always thought all along, I thought, okay, if he goes to Clemson, it doesn't work out, uh, especially early on when he hasn't shown much. Like it's one thing if you go to a school for three years and, you're not producing. And then it's like, well, do we want this guy? You know what I mean? But when you get a guy that early into their career, you know what you're getting. You scouted him just a year before. Um, like you said, man, Florida, right when he went in the portal, you knew everyone's all eyes were on Florida. Because I always thought, man, if it doesn't work out at Clemson, I mean, to heck, man, just go <laughs> back to Florida. He has the connections there. Uh, but I think with him, man, I, his footwork, his ability to kind of um, find that crease, um, very slippery. Um, but also the biggest thing is, too, man, when he gets those pads north and south, he, um, that acceleration really sticks out to me. He can really break away from the defense. And he's kind of that home run hitter. Um, he kind of checks off those boxes. And I don't think next year it's going to be interesting based off, obviously, if he'll be able to play or not with the whole eligibility thing. But um, I, it's not like a, I guarantee he's going to be, hey, he's going to step in and be the starter. There's going to be competition there for him. So I'm interested to see that competition next year in that running back room, just as far as them battling out and seeing if he can pull away and win that job. But I mean, he's a five-star prospect for a reason. And um, like you said, I, I don't, for Florida fans, just, there's a reason why everyone's been just clapping and just excited about that addition, man, especially in the running back room. I know Pierce is he's, he's considered upperclassman now, so they're going to need that game-breaker to kind of come as a young running back, and you definitely have that with Bowman. Uh, and look, signed two wide receivers and two tight ends, and you hit Jacksonville here with wide receiver Marcus yep. Burke and tight end Nick Elksness uh, there for, for for the Gators. So you know, getting some uh, skill players in and, and getting back into that Jacksonville area. Yeah, I think with Elkness, and this is just my opinion, right? We have Wilcox rated higher, um, but I'm actually a bigger fan of Elkness, man. I, I like his frame. He has a frame that should really fill out nicely in Nick Savage's program. Really fluid, almost like a bigger wide receiver. He's very fluid. Uh, more of a pass catcher um, than a blocker, but I think he has that frame to really fill out and become that complete tight end. But he's another one um, as far as kind of with the where I kind of echo with Kitna as far as me being a fan of those guys. He's another one I'm just a big fan. Of. I think he has a good ceiling at tight end um, to come in. I think he could do some good things. And then with Marcus Burke, he's another one, man, a bigger receiver, about 6'3". I remember last year he had his breakout game versus Venice High School. I think he went for 225 yards and a pair of touchdowns in that game. And he's a bigger kid who can stretch the field. And then also not just that. I know I, I can't remember the pony he played a few weeks ago where he had around nine or ten catches. He's done a good job of becoming more of a complete wide receiver underneath 
running crossing patterns, really sticking his foot in the dirt and selling his routes. He's not some, he's not just a lengthier receiver who can just stretch the field and I'm going to jump up and get it. He's really, in my opinion, transformed into a more complete receiver. He climbed nearly 70 spots in the updated rivals 250, despite missing some time this year. I know a lot of people here at rivals are big fans of him. Um, and then you have Gage Wilcox, which I think with him here in the Tampa area, he's a quiet kid. He doesn't really speak to the media too often. And you look at his stats, they're not gaudy, right? He doesn't put up a lot. I mean, uh, Nick had a, much better stats up in Jacksonville. But when you watch Gage move and when he does make those plays, it, it really shows you, okay, this kid is a talent. I thought for a little while, even a year ago, that, he, you know, he might be a DN. He could also play DN is what I should say. Um, but at the same time, I mean, this year he, he showed the ability to really become a red zone target, really high point the football. He's another one too with a frame where he's about 225 right now. Um, he's another, he'll probably add some quality weight, obviously, once he gets to college, just like Alchemist will. But I think with both those guys, especially Alchemist, I think um, they have some good tight ends in this class. I, I, I think Alchemist is more of the proven pass catcher out of the bunch, but I think we could be surprised with Wilcox over the next couple of years of the player he could be. Um, he has some room to grow as far as pure traits as a tight end, um, you know, route running and stuff like that. But they got some good guys in this class where I think in a few years we'll really understand. And same with Dejan Reynolds. Um, I know you mentioned him with the receivers. He missed a lot of time as a senior, but – Ooh, as a junior, though, man, he put up some gaudy stats up in Georgia. Um, and he's a bigger receiver, about 6'2", 210 pounds right now. Um, and he, he's a quicker kid for that size, too. Um, I mean, at his old high school, they use him on jet sweeps. Um, he'd really stretch the field. He could really do it all. I mean, he kind of fell down the rankings a little bit um, just because he wasn't playing. And I was talking to Chad Simmons, um, basically, who scouts him in Georgia, he put on a little bit of weight, not bad weight, but he went from about 190 to 210 over the past year and a half. And he had just as far as that, it wasn't quality weight, but just um, kind of just seeing like how that affects his explosiveness. So it, it's going to be, he's one of the question marks as far as where I think people know how good he was, but then he kind of like same type of thing with these kids. They're not really in the media as much, right? They're not, right. They're, you know, he was sidelined. He's going to be a pleasant kid. I'm excited to see him once he gets to Florida, you know, because we haven't really seen much of him over the past two years. Corey, quickly. Uh, before we move on, um, yeah, one that's committed, Trevante Rucker from Ocala Vanguard. What's the story there? And uh, is he, you know, why didn't he sign today? Yeah, from I talked to Coach Farmer over at Vanguard. Um, from what I know, it's obviously with the pandemic, some of these kids have been affected with school and like transcripts and um, just you know, with the whole, it's 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 a, it's an academic type situation. Okay. Um, you know, Florida. Yeah, he was gonna. He wants it. From what I know, he wants to be a Gator. He wants to be in Gainesville. Is that gonna happen? I'm not sure it will. Um, you know, I know he's definitely them and reach out to Billy Gonzalez and trying to make it happen. I know Old Miss is a school to keep an eye on with him if he does end up signing in February, which that is the plans right now. And same as his teammate Bryce Langston, they're both going through some similar things where I don't, I don't, right now, I, I don't see Links. I don't think Langston ends up in Gainesville. I really don't. Right. I think, yeah, but with Rucker, he wants to be at Florida, but. Yeah, I just right now it's 50 50. But if you told me if I had to pick today, if he's going to be in the class, I probably would say no. But we'll see, though. There's a lot of time left. And if it was up to Rucker, he'd be signing today. And, you know, he wants to be a Gator. All right. And Corey, look, man, it's pretty simple. Gator seventh in the rivals overall rankings right now. But what that, the one position I think a lot of people are going to look at is what Florida's doing up front on the offensive line. <laughs> and so, yeah, you know, right. s- signed two rivals, three stars here with Jake Slaughter and Yusuf McGarble. What's the outlook there? And with some obvious playing time available there, why does it seem to Florida has trouble getting the big time offensive lineman of interest, you know, especially at a tackle position? Yeah, it, it's it's 
and the thing is too with Hevesy, and I, I I have always said this too, he trusts his evals. He kind of whoever Hevesy wants, I think Mullen usually just lets him do his thing and goes after guys. And I think with with Hammonds, um, he's another one, right? You know, he wasn't able to sign for various reasons. I don't want to dig into too much on his situation, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of like you said, you look at three guys who didn't sign today, Adrian Strickland, Hammond, and Gardner. I know Gardner had more of a mock signing today just right. to kind of take part in the ceremony. It's just more unfortunate as far as I know a lot of people kind of go after heavy heavy as far as his evals, but He's been doing it for a while, man. It's hard to kind of knock him as far as what he goes after. I'm sure when you look at the star rankings, you're like, well, why did they offer this guy where they could have offered this guy? The one kid that comes to mind is Caleb Johnson, that will call it Trinity Catholic, where he got an offer late. It was after, like, Strickland, which I like Strickland, but I probably would have offered Caleb Johnson. He's more of a project as far as, you know, he has that's a fill out more. And people were kind of like, well, why did he get an offer before this guy? But it's kind of hard to bash how he does it. Like, I'm not, when you go look at the star rankings, it doesn't look good. But the guy's been doing it for a while, so I know Mullen trusts is what he's going to do and the guys he's going to offer. But going back to the ones that are going to sign, right, the ones that are most important the fans want to know about, um, Yusuf, right, or mm-hmm. North Carolina, I'm a fan of this kid. And I think overall, I think when the rankings come out again two months, um, I've been pushing for him to get a four-star. I think the hang-up with him is most of his film is run-blocking. But damn, man, when he run-blocks, man, he, he's he's fierce. <laughs> I mean, he's a dog in the trenches, man. Corey, I lost you there. Oh, oh, there you go. I got you back. Oh, now. there you hear me now? Yep, yep. Okay, cool. Sorry about that. Yeah, when he gets to the second level, though, man, he punishes defenders. I think he's a guy who could play tackle. Uh, but if you were to say where, where he's best suited for his skill set, I would probably say guard. But I only say that because he has limited film as a pass blocker. I think that's the the kind of unknown with them. Like how good? But the thing is, his footwork's good. He has quick feet. You know what I mean? And I, that translates well to being a pass blocker. But he's the guy, I think, once he gets to Florida, I think he could be a, a starter at Florida, you know, after a couple of years. I just feel like he fits what Hevesy wants in the trenches, a dog who could really just kind of go after it, who just puts his head down and, and you know, fights to the whistle. Um, and, and that's one of those guys I feel like overall that he, he's a three-star, but in my mind, he's a four. Um, that's why I kind of view him as Slaughter. He's a heavy type too, man. And I, I watch I watch Slaughter's film too, man. I was actually – a lot of people when they offered him, they are kind of like, oh, why we offer this kid? And they are kind of underwhelmed. But I see a guy with kind of a decent ceiling. I feel like he isn't even close to where he's going to be in a couple of years. He has a good, decent frame. Um, gets to the second – I think he's versatile to play center or guard. Um, a guy, like you said, I don't, I think you have to give him some time to kind of, you know, work his way into SEC play, but he's a guy is a redshirt sophomore junior. It wouldn't shock me if he had a starting position. You know what I mean? I feel like he has room to grow. Um, and another guy just kind of puts his head down, clocks in and goes to work. And you know, those are the type of guy I have to see likes the guys that don't complain and who just want to come in and work. And, uh, yeah, those are two guys. And like you said, though, I think when you look at this class overall, it's kind of underwhelming on paper, you know, as far as stars and seeing the three guys who didn't sign today for various reasons. The one kid to keep an eye on, though, if he does get an offer, I'm sure, Dave, you know this too, but Austin Barber right. at Trinity Christian. I, I was told if he did get an offer, he would likely jump on it. I like his film. I, I mean, I do. I think he's a big kid in the trenches. Um, I, I like him a little bit more in Strickland, to be honest with you. I, I like Strickland. I think Strickland's a good player, but – He's a kid to keep an eye on as far as being another addition to this class. If there's going to be an offensive lineman added to it, other than obviously we can talk about Tristan Lee after, but um, Austin Barber's one to keep an eye on. You know, he's Marcus Burke's teammate at Trinity Christian, and it wouldn't shock me eventually if 
based on where the numbers are, if he did end up getting an offer, and if he did, there's a good chance he could be in the class. So we'll see what happens with that. All right. Corey Bender from Gators Territory joining us right here on Gators Breakdowns. We switch to the other side of the ball. Now, Florida did attack the defensive line hard and with some good results here. Two rivals, four stars, one really high on Tyreek Sapp, Desmond Watson being the other four star, adding Justice Boone and Christopher Thomas. And the Gators got some beef up there at the defensive tackle and defensive end. Yeah, I'm a big Desmond Watson fan. And I think with him, he's another guy that kind of reminds me of Ethan White when he came out of high school. There's some there's some work to do as far as his frame, but I think overall a lot of that weight's going to come off as soon as he kind of gets to campus and you know gets in the strength and conditioning program. And for a kid that size, he's pretty athletic. He can bend, he can get his shoulder. He played when I watched him at the camp circuit before the pandemic hit. I saw him at two or three camps. He didn't lose a single repetition in one on ones, and it's not just because he's that big. You know, what I mean, he was actually using a swim move, um, bull rush. He was putting an offensive lineman on their back and. And you can just tell he has a lot of physical potential. Once he, I, I feel like I, I talked to someone earlier in the year um, when they're still going after like Leonard Taylor and stuff like that. And they, I mean, there's some big names on the board. And they told me, don't be surprised in three years that Watts is the best defensive lineman in that group. And I kind of agreed. I feel like he's only going to get better and better. And just the way he can operate for a bigger kid is really impressive to me. Um, I'm happy. I'm happy we have him as a four star, right? Because I was like, I was, one, I was <laughs> upset about we didn't. Uh, but yeah, then you have Chris Thomas down Fort Myers, another kid, another big body, about 6'6", 275. Um, another kid where um, he, he's pretty crafty. I think he has a little bit more room to go, um, kind of has to work on his explosiveness and some more go-to moves. But a guy that um, has some has some potential, um, a versatile body too, he can probably play some strong side DN if needed, or you can put him in interior. Um, and I think that's the thing with uh, Florida. They get a lot of versatile bodies um, in the trenches, guys that can slide up and down the D line. Um, and I think they obviously had that with him. Um, obviously, there's just a few other kids, too. We can run over, like Justice Boone. Um, some people, you know what's funny with Boone? He's another kid. I think he's obviously a strong side DN. Um, I think he's about 245, 250, about 250 right now. I think he could play around 275 when it's all said and done. He'll be a strong side DN, decent hands, um, fairly athletic, has a decent first step. Um, a lot of different type of defensive linemen in this class, a lot of different traits and stuff like that. Um, and like you said, no, they definitely didn't disappoint. I know early on when they didn't get Leonard Taylor and some other names, but it, to me, I, he's a big name, understandably so, five star. But I kind of like this is a, a good group, though. You got a good handful of kids that can come in and you can work with over the next couple of years and see how they uh, see how they pan out. And I definitely think if you're a Florida fan, you definitely can't be disappointed. And I think with Chief Borders too, um, you can give me your opinion on this too. I think he'll be with his hand in the dirt. Um, I think he'll be eventually a, like a strong side DN. Because he, he's a big kid, man, and I think an outside linebacker, he's good. Um, but as far as fluidity, and as far as especially once he starts putting on weight as he gets older, I think his his body frame screams defensive end to me. Um, I think he'll be playing with his hand in the dirt. So everyone lists him as a linebacker, but you can almost consider him as a, another defensive lineman too. So it's definitely a good group. Well, Corey, I'm glad you went there. I was definitely going linebacker next, of course, and – even at linebacker for the current Gator team, they're kind of relying on some tweeners there at linebacker. Dewan Black, Amari Bernie get a lot of playing time there as, you know, kind of those tweener guys. You know, in this class, you mentioned just Chief Borders, 6'4", 230. Uh, Jeremiah Scooby-Williams, 6'4", 225. 
So you're saying you may maybe even Chief Borders doesn't necessarily become that traditional linebacker that probably Florida desperately needs. So, you know, what's the the layout there in this current class? Are we looking at maybe somebody like DeWan Black who can come in and play? You know, he's listed as a DB, but can he come and play more linebacker than, than defensive back? Is Florida is in need of, of some true linebackers? Are they getting it here in this class? From what I heard recently, that's the plan with Black. I heard actually inside linebacker with him, but I think honestly with his athleticism, you can almost put him at safety if you want to just because he has that freakish size and athleticism combo. But I heard as a late, he's like they're kind of looking at him to play linebacker. And going with Borders too, I remember when I interviewed him when he committed, and this is last year, obviously, he was saying that Granham told him, hey, we, we see – he sees him with his hand in the dirt, and he was like, uh – Okay, you know, I'll do whatever you guys need me to do. But, you know, a lot of kids want to play in space. You know what I mean? That's like, it's almost like playing receiver or like kids want to play in space and have the flashy position. But I think with those two guys, it's kind of been known to them um, as far as like they could play different positions based off where their ranking is on rivals right now. Um, but, you know, Jeremiah Williams, I, I, I'm a really big fan of him, man, because um, he's a legit 6'4". As far as being a pure linebacker, his change of direction is pretty impressive to me. Um, he can rush the passer. You can almost put him at buck, too, um, because he has good acceleration off the edge. He does a good job of dipping his shoulder and turning the corner. Um, but also, his ability to backpedal, change the direction, read and react to the football um, he's like a pure outside linebacker to me. And I think holding on to him was crucial, especially like you said, with this class, um, because you have a lot of tweeners, like you said, Juwan Black, he's kind of an athlete on defense, you know? I mean, you can kind of play him in different spots, um, but as far as being a pure uh, linebacker, I, it's hard to call him that, you know? So I Corey, think I'll tell you one reason I'd like to see him right there. Florida needs some leadership at that position too. True, true. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I agree with that. And, you know, he, he, he seems, you know, the story with him, it kind of got finalized today for Florida. Great story mm-hmm. with him ending up at Florida finally. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. So I think with him too, just he, he's like you said, man, he's hungry. You know, all the stuff he's had to go through from going to Juco and committing a few times and waiting to get here. I think he's a guy that'll come in with Jawan Black. And I was saying that as far as like instant impact guys, I feel like Jawan Black's almost right at the top of the list for yeah. me. I just feel yeah. like. Yeah, because, I mean, like you said, I mean, this past year at Juco, well, not this year, but last year in Juco, he put up some gaudy stats, man. He was fluid in space, and just you don't really see those hybrid defenders that are that big, the that fluid in space. And I feel like with him, he's hungry. He has a chip on his shoulder. He And the thing is, he wants to be at Florida. And I know a lot of kids, you get a Florida offer, right? You want to be there, but it's different with him. Yeah. Um, he's stuck with Florida through, no matter all the little obstacles he's had to go through, he's always stayed with Florida, no matter what, and recruiting on behalf of Florida. It just, he was like always an unofficial member of the team. You know what I mean? Like even like last year, it's like, man, like if he doesn't end up at Florida, it's like this kid still bleeds to orange and blue. You know what I mean? This kid wants to be there. I think that's important. And I agree. I think he's a, he's a kid that can come in and have some leadership at that position. And I think I don't know. Would he be a sophomore next year? I think, or he'd be a junior. I'm I'm trying to think as far as his graduation. Yeah. I mean, I would just assume, you know, with the free year and everything, it probably, you know, this year probably wouldn't have counted. So, you yeah, know, of course, you know, three years removed from high school, so he could leave after next year if he wanted to. But you still get another, you still get another year with him. Yeah, it's not like, and the thing is too, um, after not playing senior year, and I thought this was kind of neat to point out too. He obviously from transferring came down to Kissimmee, didn't play his senior year, and then he played the next year. He didn't have any rust. You know, he came and had a really big year. 
this year, same type of thing, can't play because of Juco. And a lot of people are saying, well, how is he going to um, come back, you know, after not playing last year? It's like, well, he's already done it before. Mm-hmm. He didn't really show no rust after missing his senior year. And I think he can just come right in, and he's a mature kid, like you said. He's a few years removed out of high school. This isn't like a 17-year-old kid. So, yeah, he's a kid that can come in. I think securing him in this class and getting him good to go was so crucial, along with getting Jeremiah Williams. I think both those guys were crucial signings for Florida. All right, Corey, get the last couple of thoughts here. You know, Rivals has uh, six listed defensive backs for the Gators class. We just discussed Black, who could play some linebacker uh, mm-hmm. there. And, um, you know, this group's headlined by five-star Corey Collier, uh, almost yep. five-star Jason Marshall, both those guys from Palmetto, Jordan Young, Dakota Mitchell uh, there. I mean, you know, Florida's got a, a lot of options there. So, uh, Jordan Young, Dakota Mitchell, and but th- that's five blue chips three and, and a three-star in Mitchell. For what we've seen, um, you know, Donovan McMillan uh, up there too, who could be maybe. In yeah, I think he could be a linebacker, line. honestly. Talk yeah. about line real quick. So, real, before I forget, I'm happy you said that. He's another one where I feel like, based off his playing style and mm-hmm. where his frame is, I, I, I was always been hearing he's close to 200 pounds and he's a physical kid and obviously has room to grow. Um, I, I've heard, like, I mean, I've heard like eventually that's been tossed around with him. So, I mean, just real quick, I didn't want to leave him out. Yeah. But yeah. I think he can also be one eventually too. Just, and it kind of fits like a glove. Cause he is more of a, he's more of a, a run stuffing downhill type of guy. He's athletic. Don't get me wrong, but I think his playing style almost suits linebacker once he starts adding weight. Yeah. So then, as I said, you know, it's really headlined by position of need for Florida, you know, believe it or not, we've seen this yeah. team in the way they've played this year and Florida needs all the help they can get back there at safety and cornerback. Yeah, and I think um, with – I mean, I think with Collier, too, he's another one. Um, he kind of – his playing style kind of reminds me you know, like Sean Davis where he's just kind of – he comes down really fast, good acceleration. He's always looking for that hit, always looking for that knockout shot. And I feel with Collier, um, he's done a better job this year playing a little bit more under control as far as breaking down and wrapping up. But his ability to kind of come down – I mean, I think the last game I saw his film, he had like 11 tackles. Um, he's a very physical kid who likes to get in space, shows good acceleration, and just overall, just a good. He has good size too. I feel like in pass coverage, his back pedal, he's he's a little bit more raw. Um, but I know Mike Farrell, um, our national director of recruiting, he's very high on him, and that's why he's a five star because Farrell's the one that really likes him. He's a physical kid, man. He kind of brings that intensity as far as really bringing those shots coming downhill. And I feel like with Florida too, we know all year, man, they're kind of been undisciplined when it comes to tackling and stuff like mm-hmm. that, as far as not wrapping up and. Hopefully with his type of playing style, I think fans will be pleased as far as his ability to kind of finish those tackles. Uh, and like you said, they're young kids. Just not ever, there, there, there are going to be times where you see it in 2020. It's just, I call it the 2020 tackle when you just kind of throw <laughs> a shoulder and you don't wrap up. It's just a new age type of way of tackling. But he does a good job of really kind of playing discipline in space and not playing out of control. And I think um, obviously with Marshall – I, I think Marshall's a five-star. Um, I love his film. I think he's a pure cover corner. I think he has the ability to be that number one cornerback at Florida in a few years, you know, like kind of like how Elam is now, you know, kind of be like the, the face of the cornerbacks. I feel he's that t- same type of mold as far as you can put him out by himself on an island. He's confident. He has that swagger, um, good hips, um, does a good job of mirroring his opponent. And like you said, you need those guys that can kind of have that confidence out there and, aren't looking over the shoulder for help all the time. And I feel like with him, good size too. Um, really good. I feel like he has a good physical potential. They have a lot of different guys. And I feel like the one J- Jordan Young's the one that kind of gets overlooked a lot. I feel like even early in the process, he got that camp offer. Um, you know, he camped in Florida, I think two summers ago. 
then you didn't hear too much and you kind of thought is he still a take and i kept hearing torian gray like went by the school twice and i was like man florida really does like this kid um you know he's still a take and they're gonna look at him and he's a versatile piece you know like dakota mitchell i think dakota mitchell's more like a star um he can kind of play a few different things they're both more on the physical side but i think florida has a bunch of different identities in the secondary with this class you know you got a pure cover corner with a marshall you have a five-star safety in the back on the defense who will come down and light you up you know what i mean he's you have a lot of different guys, and then you have two versatile guys in Young and Mitchell um, who could definitely play a few different roles, um, and, and they're definitely reliable kids. Like um, Jordan Young's in the Rivals 250. Dakota Mitchell, he's, he's always been kind of, of a high three-star. I'm a fan of him. I feel like he's a another one who can he, – he's reliable in space as far as tackling. Um, he's played offense, too. He's kind of a do-it-all athlete who's done it all for Winter Park. So I think with Florida, I think that's the same type of thing we're talking about the D-line. It's a solid DB class. You know, you got a bunch of different identities, and you just got to let it play out over the coming years. And like you said, it's a position of need, and you just got to let them play and sort it out, and hopefully you have some good answers. You have some good quality players out of that group. Yeah, so Corey, that's everybody who uh, you know signed uh, today uh, yep. for the Gators. But look at the uh, last thought here. What's next uh, for the Gators? Tristan Lee, big time offensive lineman out there, uh, big target for Florida. He's decided to delay his decision now till February. Terry and Arnold, two big targets left out there. You know, safety Terry, Terry and Arnold, two big safeties left out there, or two big targets out there for Florida that's left. And pretty safe to say, Florida's going to be leaving some room for that transfer portal as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think when Tristan Lee and um, I was telling people this after he visited the weekend, like Florida really moved the needle on that visit. And obviously he couldn't meet with the football personnel, but, you know, Connor, who works with us over Connor Clark, he spoke mm -hmm. with the mom and the mom really loved the visit. She raved about it. And I know with Lee, he, he brought Hevesy's track record about right now it's $285 million worth of salaries in the NFL. And he says, you know, the proof is in the pudding and numbers don't lie. Um, and then he knows what's Forsyth and Delance. He says, hey, I can come in. I can play early. Um, he's mentioned how, you know, the, the um, Mullen and Hevesy are both straightforward. He loves that. They don't beat around the bush with them. Um, and, and it's funny because he went, came down for the pandemic early in the spring and, and you, you know, it was, it was noteworthy, but then he came out of the top five and Florida wasn't in it. So you, you, you know, you kind of move on. And I talked to him a few times. He's like, well, Florida would be that sixth school, but you're still like, well, you know, it's a sixth school. Yeah, like, right. What are you going to do? But then they come down this weekend, man. And it wasn't a cheap trip. I think it was five or six people that came down and, that to me, that showed something, you know, if you're going to buy plane tickets and buy um, game tickets, I mean, that's not a cheap trip. And I, I think it's the his girlfriend's mom lives in Orlando and the, I think the girlfriend got accepted the UCF. So, I mean, there's some weird connections in there where, you know, like Florida, I mean, it's an intriguing thing to look at with them, but I think with Florida, I think they're a close second and I, I think they really do have a shot with him. Um, and I'm now with him delaying stuff. He's not going to sign to February. And that just came out today. Mm -hmm. So to me, that says is Oklahoma has kind of always been the front runner. To me, there's a little bit of hesitation there. Like, hmm, let me think this over a little bit. And I've been kind of been saying that, man, like you can't count out Florida right now. And I know the family would move. From what I was told, they would move wherever he would go. Um, and I think I was heard like the mother's in the medical field. So I think, you know, for anyone transferring, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be some process as far as like, yeah, I mean, so the relocation process wouldn't be that difficult. So and there's a storyline with his little brother too, right? Yeah. Little yeah. brother has an offer from Florida. He's yeah. a 2023 offense alignment. So I think Florida man from the coaching staff playing time, them being straightforward with him. And obviously the weather part, she, the, his mom told Connor about how it's 20 degrees back home. <laughs> so you come down to Florida, even though it's not even really hot for us Floridians, it's not like 
over the top summer weather right now for anyone that lives up north. That's appealing to anyone. So I think with Florida, I mean, obviously he's the main guy for that. And then you have Terry and Arnold where I think Florida, Florida would be my choice if he had to um, make a decision today. But the thing is with him, he's going to take a lot more visits um, before finalizing his recruitment in February. So that one's not over yet. But if he was signing early, I would have definitely went with Florida. Um, we mentioned Austin Barber before as a guy, maybe you can get an offer. So I think overall it's going to be interesting as far as the finish. I mean, most of the guys signed today, um, you know, I mean, to me say, you know, he's mm-hmm. um, making his decisions tonight. I highly, highly doubt he'll be picked going to Florida. I think all of us are always, we're assuming A&M will be the choice. So I think right now Arnold and Lee are the two guys are really zero in on. And then like you said, the portal as well. So the portal and those two guys are probably the primary focus going forward. All right, that'll do it for this uh, wrap-up coverage of National Signing Day with Corey Bender from Gators Territory. Corey, man, I can't thank you enough. And, of course, uh, give your uh, plug, uh, Gators Territory, and what you guys are doing there. And uh, big congrats on uh, getting Nick. I got ha- I got to have him on every Sunday here on the podcast. So I'm glad uh, he's he's over there with you guys. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we're always pumping out content, man. Um, right now, we have tons of good stuff going on. We, I think just today, we put out 23 different stories. We documented every single recruit on there. And also, too, for people out there right now listening, we have a free trial going, and um, it goes on for the next five days. Um, you get basically free free premium access to January 29th when you use promo code Gators NSD and NSD, you know, National Sign Base. So Gators NSD, go to the website, type that in, you get free access for home basically for over a month. Um, and right now with the way recruiting is, that's a that's a no-brainer deal. So definitely check that out. We got, I think, over 20 people just today, uh, which is pretty awesome. So um, check that out. And like you said, we're always pumping out a full page of content day in and day out. And I think you definitely won't be disappointed. All right. That's Corey Bender from Gators Territory joining us right here on Gators Breakdown, wrapping up National Signing Day. The first part of National Signing Day, early, the early, early signing period there for National Signing Day for the 2021 class. And that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I am your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.